Good morning, saints. Happy to be with you today. I, uh, it looked like for a moment it was not going to work out just right, but that's how the old enemy works. But God is more powerful than the enemy. Amen? Amen. I'd like for you to keep my oldest daughter in prayer. Her name is, you would say Candace, but we call her Candace. Uh, she's been having some challenges, and we just ask that you keep her in prayer. She had a little episode this morning, <clears throat> but I am here with you today. Amen. Amen. I have a bad case of allergies, but sometimes it uh, works on me. I didn't take the medication I should have taken for it. So if you hear my voice going this way or that way, just be patient with me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me change here. Sometimes you get locked out of your computer <laughs> and you try to remember where were you and what is the code. So uh, I was putting in the wrong code. Then I said, well, let, let me pause for a moment. Ask the good Lord to bring that number back. Okay, and he has done that. Amen. Some of you I see, some of you I know from many years ago, others of you are brand new, and of course, uh, with these masks that we have now, uh, gives us all a different look altogether. So sometimes it's a little challenging uh, to find out who is who, amen. But we just praise God for this opportunity. Today's subject is simply moving day moving day. You know, we have all moved from one place to the other. In fact, almost everybody here probably has moved from point A to point B. And um, I have moved several times in life, and I never liked one of those times that I had to move. Uh, moving is a job. Boxes to pack, then you have to find the boxes to pack, and then when you get to where you're going, to where you're moving to, you have to unpack the boxes and all of that. In fact, in ministry, in fact, that was one reason I did not choose to go into ministry, was because of the nomadic lifestyle of the minister. Uh, the conferences would move the men every two to three years with their families. And you're talking about chaos. That's chaos. You settle down for two years in a place, and then they move you to somewhere else. You think about that. If the wife has a job, she can never get tenure on a job. So I told God, nope, sir, no, sir, I am not going into ministry. I'll do my work with my engineering. But he stayed on me until he brought me to my knees <laughs> and said, this is what you're going to do. So in 2000, by God's grace, God asked me to be the president of the Southwest Region Conference. And it's at that time as I looked at families, which said we love families in ministry. Well, I brought a proposal to the executive committee. And I broke down everything as far as the pastor moving here and there, every two years, every three years, and then it went to three to four years. 
And I said, which of you would like that type of experience? Every four years, every three years, you're moving a pastor somewhere else in his family. What about the kids in education? When it comes to Christian education, what about that? Would you like that? I says, no. Do I like it? Absolutely not. And I said, many of the other ministers and wives, I say, in fact, now some of the wives are telling the husbands, God didn't call me, God called you. So <laughs> you, you move on. <laughs> we'll stay married long distance. So I said to the committee, I say, generally it takes about 10 years for a person to have tenure on a job. And I say, um, the proposal I'd like to place before you is every 10 years move a pastor if he has to move. If he's doing well, let him stay where he is. If he's doing bad, even before that time, we will talk to him. If we have to move him, we will move him, but with some stipulations. And they voted that. And that's why most of our pastors now, 10 years, then they move on. Some have opportunity of staying longer than 10 years. Then they move on. But it has pro proven to be a blessing. Many of the wives who could not really have a decent retirement now were able to get tenure on their jobs. And so what, they have a retirement, not just depending on their husband's retirement. So moving has always been a pain. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you for this opportunity of allowing you to come and speak to an earthen vessel, through this vessel, to this vessel, to other vessels in the pew. And as you speak to us today, we ask you, our Father, to anoint us with the coal from the altar in glory. Sanctify us, we pray. Come, Lord, speak now, and we will hear. In Jesus' name, may we all say amen, amen and amen. amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, moving day. What moving day are you talking about? Well, you see, <clears throat> there's a moving day that I'm looking forward to, and I hope you are. The moving day is moving from my earthly house here to my eternal home uh, in the Father's house. I don't know if that's your thinking or not, but that's my thinking today. Moving from my earthly house to my eternal house, and guess what? That's one move I will not mind making. <laughs> But you know, a lot of people have it all mixed up. They're saying that moving day comes when you die. And they get this from the setting that I'm going to read right now. And I will be reading from the Amplified text. 2 Corinthians 5.1, the word of God declares, For we know that if the earthly tent, talking about our physical body, which is our house, is torn down, that is through death, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Well, the teaching is that when you die, you go to your heavenly home. You go to your eternal home. Is that what the Bible teaches, ladies and gentlemen? Absolutely not. But you have all Christendom. They believe in that. 99% that when you die, quote, you go to your heavenly home. You go to your eternal home. And this, these texts that I'm going to read today are the texts that they stand by. But is that what the author Paul is talking about? The very next verse says, For indeed, in this house, one that we're in right now, we groan. The pain, the sickness, the things that all have to be sets us down here. We long what to be clothed with our eternal celestial dwelling. That is, we want that immortal body. But the question is, when do we get that immortal body? Right, it goes on to say, so that by putting it on, 
we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, often, I'm going to make sure that was off. <laughs> I was hearing a little echo there. So while in this tent, we groan, being burdened, often weighed down, sometimes oppressed, not that we want to be unclothed or separated by death from the body, but to be clothed so that what is mortal, that is the body, will be swallowed up by life, check it out, after the resurrection. Nobody is going to move before somebody else. At the resurrection, ladies and gentlemen, that's when death will be swallowed up. In other words, when Christ comes again to receive his people unto himself on resurrection morning, that's when the change will take place. Not before. All the people that are buried, all the funerals that are had, they let you know they're gone to a better place. Sister so-and-so is up in heaven shouting, up there singing hallelujah. Brother Elder so-and-so, he's up there singing with that beautiful bass voice. Of course, the casket is right before us. Brother so-and-so is right there. But yet, it's something that has been preached and taught and has been taught over and over and over again. It's a form of spiritualism. God says when we die, we die. The thinking perishes. The brain is now dead. And then God tells us in the book of Psalms that all that die, none can praise the Lord. Then the word of God says those that are in the grave don't even know when we stop by to visit them. They are dead, sleeping in their grave. If I would ask Job, Job, when I die, do I go right to heaven? He says, no, Bill. When you die, the grave is your house. That's your abiding place. But Christ makes it easier by telling us that death is only asleep, ladies and gentlemen. So for the Christian, when he or she falls asleep, you have nothing to worry about. Why? Because the great resurrector, Jesus Christ, is going to raise you up again. He's going to call you forth from your sleep, ladies and gentlemen. And in verse 5 of the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 5, the word of God says, Now he who has made us and prepared us for this very purpose of God, who gave us the Holy Spirit as a pledge, that is a guarantee, a down payment on the fulfillment of his promise. Jesus Christ is the one who made us, ladies and gentlemen. And the word of God says that he has given to us the Holy Spirit as a pledge that we're going to rise again. Every born-again Christian receives the Holy Spirit. It's up to us to allow that Holy Spirit to abide within us. Talking about moving day. 2 Corinthians 5, 6 goes on to say, So then, being always filled with good courage and confident hope and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. 
Very true. Right now, all of us, we're at home in the body, alive and well. And we are what? Absent from the Lord. We are not in his heavenly presence today, ladies and gentlemen. We are still on the earth. But Christ says, I'm in heaven interceding on your behalf. Because what? I have died for your sins. And I want to make it possible for you to be saved eternally. And I have done that. Now it's up to you to make your calling and your election sure. Hallelujah. So Christ says, I have done my part. But the Apostle Paul goes on to say that while we are home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Very true statement. For we walk by faith, not by sight, living our lives in a manner consistent with our confidence in God and his promises, ladies and gentlemen. And what God promises, guess what? He will fulfill. God says, my words never return unto me void. And I said to the young people out here, if there is anybody that you could believe and trust and know that he's always on target and on time, his name is J-E-S-U-S. His name is Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. So the Apostle Paul goes on to say that we are of good courage, confident hope, and we prefer to be absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. We prefer. When I die, he said, I prefer, not that it will happen, to be what? Absent from the body and what? To be at home with the Lord. All of us would rather be with Christ right now. But there is something that must take place before that happens. So we make it our goal to please him. Verse 9 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it. What must take place before moving day? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.10, put it this way, same setting, same context. For we must A-L-L. Uh-huh. We what? All must what? Appear before the judgment seat of Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Why? God? Well, he answers right in the very next phrase that everyone may receive the things done in the body. According to that he has done, whether it be good or bad. Hmm. How's your record today? How's my record today? Here God says before moving day, before the resurrection morning, he says there will be a judgment seat. Will I be there at the time? Not at that time. How do you know that? The word of God is very clear. Verse 10 tells us, again, this text tells us, we must all face the judgment bar of God before we get that new body. And I guess the question is, when will this judgment take place? <clears throat> I'm here to declare to you today that it's called the investigative judgment and it's taking place in heaven right now. The, the records of the dead, of all dead, are being gone over. Now, those that never believed in Christ, he doesn't need to go over those. They refuse to accept him. But for those who believe in Christ, who claim that they was with him, those individuals, their records will be gone, gone over. Daniel 7, verse 9, the word of God says, 
Daniel, the prophet, is saying, Bill, Bill, right? Yeah, Daniel, what's happening, Daniel? He says, look, I saw something. What did you see, Daniel? He says, Bill, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. Is that all you saw, Daniel? He says, no. The thrones were cast down, and the ancient of days did sit. What did it look like, David? Daniel? His garment was white as snow. The hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. Daniel, what else happened? He says, Bill, the judgment was set and the books were open. What did you see? John, you said you saw the same thing, so what did you see? He says in Revelation 20, verse 12, Bill, and I saw the dead, small and great. Doesn't matter what your statue is. He says, I saw them. Where were they? Where were they, John? He says, Bill, I saw them stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the day were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Ladies and gentlemen, we call this the investigative judgment that is taking place right now. You see, when Christ comes again, he says, Bill Wright, I already know who's holy and who's not holy. I already know those that were serving me and those that were half serving me. I already know those that had a part-time relationship with me and those that had a full-time relationship. You know, part-time love affairs just don't work, do they? And God is saying the same thing with me. Part-time love affairs just don't work. Either you serve me, or if you're not serving me fully, you're serving the enemy. So God says, when I come, Christ says, when I come again, according to Matthew 16, 27, it says, the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then, got that now? And then he shall reward every man according to his works. So when a person dies, that person is not rewarded a place in glory. Not even David. A man that God called what? A man after what? My own heart. The word of God tells us that he's what? Still in the grave. Resting, waiting for the great getting up morning. So where's David? Waiting for the great resurrection. Waiting for the day when Christ himself will come and bring his people, call them forth. From the, from the grave, he will snatch them forth. And they will come forth from the grave. Oh, thank you. They will come forth from the grave, ladies and gentlemen. And as they come forth from the grave, one writer, I think it was Isaiah, put it this way. Rise ye that sleep in the dust. And come up singing what the songs of Zion. We die, but when Christ comes and resurrects us, we will come up singing. Now, I'm not a singer, but my family sings. They all do quite well, except for me. 
somehow God didn't give me that gift. And some, somewhere in my mind, I'm not sure what the pianist feels and hears inside of his brain when he's playing that box. The violinist, I'm not sure what's going in his head. None of that makes sense to me. God did not what? Give me that, that, uh, that gift, ladies and gentlemen. But in glory, even when we come out of the grave, we will come up singing, says the writer of the prophet. In that day, because when we come out of the grave, a change will take place in a moment, in a quick twinkling of an eye. And at that day, I'll be in tune with everybody else. Hallelujah. I don't try to sing down here. <laughs> I go to the nursing homes, yes, I'll give them some little songs that I know, and I'll sing to them. But beyond that, don't try to get me up in church to sing. Uh-uh. But I'm looking forward to the day of the resurrection, ladies and gentlemen, when God shall reward every man according to his works, and that's going to be when he comes. So this teaching that you hear, that person has moved from the earthly house to the heavenly house when he died, it is just a rumor on the street. There is no truth in it, ladies and gentlemen. The good news is we will all be rewarded when Christ comes again. The most important question will be, will I be ready? Acts 10, 42 tells us who's going to be the judge of the dead. The Bible says, and he commanded us to preach unto the people, to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of, quick, of the quick and the dead. You know who that was? None other than Jesus Christ. He commanded us, he commanded him to be the judge of the quick and the dead. The word quick means the living and the dead. Acts 17, 31 put it this way. Because God has appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness. How are you going to do it, God? He says, Bill, keep reading. By that man whom he has a day. None other than Jesus Christ. Whereof he has given assurance unto all men and that he has raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. We all have an appointment. It is appointed the man wants to die. Can you finish it? And after that, what? You got it. So after I die, I don't step up to heaven. After I die, I do not move up to glory. It is appointed unto man, what? Wants to die. And after that, what? The judgment, ladies and gentlemen. But in the meantime, between the dash in our lives, what are we doing? Bill Wright, born 1947. Right now, I'm still living in the dash zone. But one day, if Christ doesn't come, I know I will pass on like everybody else. But between the time of, of birth and the time of death, what are you doing for Jesus Christ? Who are you living for between the day of birth and the day of death? What are you doing during the time we call the dash zone? The dash. 
lot of people don't think about it. I'm just enjoying myself. The wisest man that ever lived says, yes, enjoy yourself. But he says, while you're enjoying yourself, he says, stay in reality. What's the reality? He says, the reality is, everything that you do, do it. Have fun. Great fun. But remember this. For all these things that you have done in your dash zone, God says, Bill Wright, I will bring you to judgment. Watch how you live. What the people try to tell us. Watch how you live. Know that what I'm a God who loves you. Yes, I'm a God of compassion. Yes, I'm a God of mercy. Yes, I'm a God of understanding. However, I'm also the God who demands obedience and reverence. The question is, how much do you love him? Do you love him enough to love him in return because of how he loved you and gave up his life for you? Christ died on that cross, not for himself. He died for you. He died for each of us. He died for our sins so that we would not have to suffer the penalty of our sins. I thank God that Christ didn't come down from that cross when the devil tempted him again. He stayed on that cross. <clears throat> if he had come off that cross, my salvation would not be secure. Your salvation would not be secure. I thank God he hung there when he was tempted again by the devil. And what a great temptation when you know you have the power to come down from the cross and put yourself back up on the cross. But he resisted the urge and he stayed upon the cross. I thank God for that. How about you this morning? What a God we serve. So God says, Bill, I have given you References to let you know who is the judge. The judge is none other than my son, Jesus Christ, whom I have ordained. And I, I have ordained him to judge the quick and the living. I'm sorry, the quick and the dead. And as a guarantee to you, as an assurance to you that he's going to do it, he says, whereof he has given assurance unto all men and that he has raised him from the dead. There's only one that God the Father has raised from the dead, and that's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Amen and amen. Therefore, to us who love to judge people, 1 Corinthians 4, 7, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, the word of God says, therefore, judge nothing before the time. Do what now? Judge nothing what? Before the time. Until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest or reveal the counsels of the heart, things that we don't see what's going on in your mind. And then shall every man have praise of God. Now, a lot of people like to judge people. She's not going to be saved. Did you see what she had on the other day? He's not going to be saved. He's a, he's a drug head. I'm so glad that God does not see people as we see people. <clears throat> Talking to a lady today, her son was murdered last week. 
having this service this coming week. But she told me about the last conversation that she had with him, which was last Saturday. And she's asking for special prayer. You want to lift her name up? Her name is Pam Moline Fisher. And they are really grieving at this time. The oldest son is going to do the funeral. He's going to be the eulogist for his brother. We just ask you to remember this family in prayer. People want to judge. He was struggling with drugs. And his last conversation, he was saying, Mom, you know, I keep talking to God, I'm praying to God, I'm reading, I'm giving Bible studies, I'm doing all of this, but this thing has me hooked. What is God going to do about my situation? I keep calling on him. I keep asking him to what? Take this away from me. Now, many of us won't say, well, because he hooked on the drugs, he's lost. Those are your thoughts, but not the thoughts of God. What I love about God is he knows our thoughts and he knows what we are struggling with. And that's why God says, Bill Wright, I want you to understand something. What is that, God? He says, I do not treat you as your sin deserved. Now, suppose God did treat you as your sin deserved. Where would you be? Would there be any hope for you? When you look at your life or where you used to be, what type of hope would it be, ladies and gentlemen? And I'm so glad, so I share it with the mom. God knows his struggle. God knew his struggle before somebody murdered him. Lived right next door to the church in New Orleans. And so they are really broken by the sudden loss of a son. I'm here to say to each one of you, what the Bible says, therefore, judge nothing before the time. Judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, ladies and gentlemen, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man, what? Have praise of God. Hallelujah. In John 5, 22, God says, for the Father judges no man. Again, let us know the Father does not judge anybody, but has committed all judgment unto the Son. When is moving day? Moving day is at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Old Daniel 12, 2 says, Bill Wright, I, I talked about moving day. I preached about moving day. What did you have to say, Daniel? He says, according to the Amplified text, Daniel 12, 2, he said, many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. They will be resurrected. Many of those, notice it didn't say all those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. But it says what? Many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. They will resurrect. These to everlasting life, but some to disgrace and everlasting contempt. This brings in what is called that special resurrection. You know, Christ promised those people that put him to death, the next time you see me, you don't believe who I am. Well, I'm going to let you see who I am. 
I have demonstrated who I am. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah that was promised. I am that I am. But since you don't believe it and you're putting me to death, going to put me to death, he says, I want you to know the next time you see me, you will see me coming in the clouds of glory as King of kings and Lord of lords. Called the special resurrection. But for the rest of the people, it would be the beautiful resurrection of all the dead in Christ. That's when moving day is going to take place, ladies and gentlemen. As old Job, Job, when is the moving day coming? Job said in Job 19.25, Bill, he says, Bill, <clears throat> let me tell you something. Job, what is this you're trying to tell me? He said, in case you don't know, he says, now, I want you to know something. What is it, Job? Come on. He says, Job, I want you to, Job says, I want you to know that I know that my Redeemer liveth. <laughs> yes, I've gone through some hard times. Yes, I've gone through some difficult times. But I want you to know there is one thing that I know that you might not know. What is it, Job? That my Redeemer liveth. The one who has redeemed me, he's alive. He's alive. He's not dead. I want you to know, even though I'm going through something, yet I know what? My Redeemer liveth. You might be going through something. It might be cancer. It might be diabetes. It might be high blood pressure or some other elements of the body. But Job says, all that I'm going through, I will not allow it to cause me to doubt whether or not my God is still what my Redeemer. So he says, I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Moving day will not take place until Christ stands at the latter day upon the earth. And old Job said in Job 19, 26, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, he said, that's some good news for you. What's the good news, Job? He said, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Hallelujah. Says, I don't know about you, but he says, I want you to know even if the skin worms have destroyed this body, I have rotted away of nothing but dust in the grave. He said, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Job knew in whom he had believed, ladies and gentlemen. And he goes on to say in verse 27, whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold, and not another. And though my reins be consumed within me, he says, I want you to know, I shall see him for myself. And my eyeballs will fasten upon him. I wonder, can you have a testimony like that, like Job had, ladies and gentlemen? A testimony to believe God so much that you know that what you can depend on what God says. If you are faithful, if you die, you're just sleeping. We're going to wake you up one day. Like some folks who sleep in the mornings and they down deep in, the alarm has gone off first time, second time. And somebody has come in and what? And physically wake you up. Christ says, when I come back, I won't have to call you twice. <laughs> it's the voice of the life giver. It's moving day. Time to wake up. Come out of those graves. Hallelujah. And then old John put it this way, moving day, Bill. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Some shall come forth, 
they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, hallelujah, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. You want to so live that you come forth in the resurrection of the living, ladies and gentlemen. It's called the first resurrection. You don't want to come up in the second resurrection, which will take place at the third coming of Jesus Christ. You want to make sure you come up in that first resurrection at the second coming of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. That's, that's the resurrection that you're blessed in. Bless, bless, bless to come out of your dusty grave and see Jesus for the first time. See him face to face. No darkening veil between. Man, what a sight. What a sight to see. Jesus Christ in all of his glory. And you are being able to look in his face and see the beauty of the man what that died for you. And be able to talk to him face to face. See him in all of his glory. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. And I pray by the grace of God, you're making plans to be in that first resurrection, the resurrection of life. That word resurrect means to stand up again, ladies and gentlemen. Moving day again at the second coming of Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 4, 16, you all know it, for the Lord himself. What I love about that is my creator. <laughs> My Redeemer. Now I'm a coming King of Kings. The Word of God says, The Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ. Hallelujah. Shall rise first. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Boy, that's going to be something else. Right. Moving day. And guess what? You won't have to pack up a thing. <laughs> no packing boxes needed. Just keep on your faith in Christ, your faith in him, your faith in the resurrector, your faith, your faith. That's what will get you there. And the faith that we're talking about is faith that brings on obedience to the will of God. Hallelujah. I want to be ready for his coming. How about you? That is going to be some moving day. Can you imagine what it's going to look like? The sun is pretty bright right now. But boy, when Christ comes in all of his glory, and with all the holy angels with him, that glory of God, that Shekinah glory of God, is going to outshine the sun, ladies and gentlemen. Dazzling! But the saints who come up out of the graves on that great resurrection morning, They'll be shouting hallelujahs. Praising the name of God. Getting on board. 
chariot of angels. When Christ comes the second time, he's not going to touch this earthly, this earth as it is. The third time he comes, he's coming in the city. <laughs> With all the saints inside of the city who were ready for him at his second coming. I want to be one of those who are ready for his coming at the second coming and be what? In the first resurrection. How about you? God says one of the changes got to take place before you get to the city. What's that, God? He said, talk to Paul. Paul, what do you have to say? 1 Corinthians 15, 50. He says, brethren, I want you to know that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. I said, oh. He said, behold, I show you a mystery. What's the mystery, Paul? When Christ comes, we shall not all sleep. But he says, one thing I want you to know, what's that? We shall all be changed. So all of us in Christ, when Christ comes to wake us from the dead, we shall all be changed. Everybody will not be asleep because what? Some will be alive on this earth when Christ comes again. And if it's one of you, be praying now that God will keep you faithful until he comes. Word of God goes on to say in a moment, verse 52, in a moment, this change that's going to come is going to happen in a moment in the twinkle of an eye. Let me see you twinkle, twinkle your eye. Just that quick, the word of God says what? The change takes place. Boy, what a powerful God we serve. Somebody was asking the question, how can he change all of us like that, all the righteous? God said, don't underestimate me. <laughs> he said, Bill, when you come forth out of that grave, he said, even in the twinkle of an eye, by the time you twinkle your eye, guess what? The change has already come. Hallelujah. He says, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, the last trump has not sounded. But God says, at the last trump, that change is going to take place. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Hallelujah. That's moving day, ladies and gentlemen. I want to see Jesus. How about you? Last trump has not been sounded. That's why when they keep putting people in heaven, they're telling us the last trumpet has sounded. The last trumpet has not sounded. It has not sounded. Have you heard a trumpet at all? No, you have not. <laughs> That's why you must be a student of the word of God so that you understand what? The word of God. God says, Bill, a trumpet will sound. That's why you say, put it this way. In a moment, the change will take place. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the what? Last trump. For the trumpet shall sound. And the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Talking about the dead in Christ. And we shall be changed. Are you looking forward to your heavenly makeover? Amen. I know I am. Y'all watch these TV shows about the makeover. Boy, you haven't seen anything yet when God would give us all what a heavenly makeover. I'm looking forward to that day. How about you? Word of God says, verse 53, for this corruptor must, must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Hallelujah. So when this corruptible shall have put on, the, put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting now? Oh, grave, where is your victory? <laughs> 
Christ says, I have the keys. I, I just, what, pull my people from you? I just snatched them from you. Hallelujah. God says they have been resurrected never to die again. And by the way, old death, talking to Satan now. Say, I want you to know your time is coming. At my third coming, I'm going to fire you up. Grave at my coming. I'm going to put an end to all graves. Hallelujah. I, say, I praise God. How about you? And the writer put it this way, but thanks be to God. Talking about the Father, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The Father is working for us, ladies and gentlemen. Yep, I was saying earlier, I give you the text, Acts 2, 29. That's what David, God said he's both dead and he's buried. He's not in heaven. For you people will keep trying to put people in heaven. That's why the Apostle Paul put it this way. Men and brethren, just let me freely express unto you of the patriarch David. Where is he, Paul, Peter, that he is both what? Dead, he's dead, and buried. Dead and buried. And by the way, his grave is with us unto this day. That's why we go to the cemetery to visit our loved ones who have died. Where are they? In the graves. If we believe they was in heaven, why would we go to the grave to visit with them? My friend, Jesus wants all of us to be ready for movie day. Amen. He said to each one of us today, no matter what's happening down here, a whole lot is going wrong right now. That's why we know we are near the coming of Jesus Christ. It says as we close in John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also what in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Christ says, I've gone back to prepare a place for you so that where I am, amen. Christ says, by the way, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to the doubters. I will come again and receive you unto myself. Christ wants you. Christ wants me. Christ wants all of us to be where he is. And I want to be where he is. How about you? <clears throat> I give you this last invitation. Isaiah 43, 25. Christ says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions or your sins. Why do you do it, God? For my own sake. And he says, I will remember your sins no more. Hallelujah. What a God we serve. An awesome God. If you don't know Jesus, now is the time to find him anew. If you don't know him, now is the time to let him know how much you love him. If you have strayed away from him or if you have lost your grip on him, today is a day to reaffirm that connection with Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, just like well, you raise your hand where you are, Christ, I want to reconnect with you. God sees that hand. God sees those hands. We all want to do what? Reconnect with him. And the good news is God gives us reconnecting strength, ladies and gentlemen. All I have to do what? Believe. Have a desire what? To be changed. 
Have a desire to be a new person in him. Have a desire to do his will. Have a desire to see him face to face one day. He says, Bill Wright, I will take care of the rest. Might be somebody else here, you're not a member of the church, but you'd like to come, become a member of Garland Faith Community, and you're here today. Why not just lift your hand up where you are? You're not a baptized member, but today you'd like to become a member of God's church and be ready for that moving day. I don't know about you, but I want to be ready. Christ says, make sure that your calling and election is sure. The songwriter put it this way, are you ready for Jesus to come? If God had written 30 for your life on last night, would it be well with your soul? You might ask the question, what is 30? <clears throat> 30 is a term that you use sometime in the news, which means that's it. 30 for the night means that's the end. That is the end. Don't let it be written 30 for the night for you. Because we never know when 30 is going to come. That's why God wants us to stay what? In a state of readiness. Father in heaven, we thank you for the message that you've shared today. Thankful that one day we all can participate in the heavenly moving day. When we shall move from earth to our heavenly home. The ones that Jesus Christ has gone to prepare for us. And by faith, Lord, we claim our occupancy. We claim our mansions in glory by faith. So Lord, help us to walk by faith and not by sight and be caught up in the clouds when you come to receive your people unto yourself. And what a great moving day that will be when we leave behind us all sickness. We leave behind us all cancers. Leave behind us all types of diabetes. Leave behind us hypertension or blood, high blood pressure or low blood pressure. Leave all manner of diseases behind, Lord, when we take flight to our heavenly home. Lord, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. What celebration. And Lord, if I die before you come, if you allow me to sleep, Lord, I want to be in that number that will come up singing out of that grave, giving praises and hallelujahs to you. What a day. If I'm alive at that time, I just want to be among the ones that will testify, Lord, this is our God. We have waited for him. And now he has come to save us. Lord, let that be our experience. We pray in Jesus' name. May the saints of God say hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. May God bless each one of you.